What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Scholar. I am joined by my co-host, Shelton's very own, Tyler Pacholke. Before we start the show, we appreciate you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review the show wherever you're listening to us. That really helps out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow us as well at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, we'll talk about the decision to postpone Monday's game between the Timberwolves and Nets, the impact of Jamal Murray's potential season-ending injury, as well as the Lakers wrapping up a seven-game road trip and where they stand with LeBron James and Anthony Davis still sidelined with injuries. All this and more on episode 190 of the TSK Show, coming up right now. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 190 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Joining me as always, Shelton's very own Tyler Pacholke. Tyler, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm enjoying this uh, this nice weather up here in the Pacific Northwest. You know, it's 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 a it's rare the sun comes out, but uh, it, it's out right now, and it's it's super nice outside. Well, there you go. I'm glad the sun's out for you because it's been gloomy the past couple of days in LA, but it's it's starting to warm up and it's starting to feel like spring and and summer and and things are starting to open back up. It's it's starting to feel good again in Los Angeles. Yeah, it seems like we're we're getting there. Yes. We're making progress. Yes. Uh, real quick, uh, one of the hot topics last episode, obviously we had our, our good friend and, and sponsor, Jacob Diamond. Uh, for all of your real estate needs here in the Los Angeles area, go to Jacob Diamond, uh, jdiamondestates.com. Uh, we talked about the Dodgers with him last week, and I just wanted to mention the Dodgers series this weekend against the Nationals. And real quick, currently the Dodgers are up 2 to nothing in the bottom of the first. Uh, against the Colorado Rockies at home uh, here in Los Angeles. The Dodgers are currently 9-2 and two with the best record in baseball. So uh, the World Series defense is, is off to a good start. And the Dodgers, they got their World Series rings over the weekend against the Nationals. Did you get a chance to see what the rings look like, Tyler? I did. Those those are <laughs> – I love that they're just getting these monstrous rings nowadays. Yeah. No, and I, I feel like every sport tries to one-up each other and, and every team tries to one-up each other. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to do it every year. It's got to be bigger and better, right? That's that's uh, that's the cool part about it. And uh, the Mariners started out in classic form by losing one of their starting pitchers for the season, so that's oh. good. All right, so the Mariners are off to a hot start as well. Yep, it's looking like another another bust. Yes, but uh, on ring day, the Dodgers did get a win. They they got six scoreless innings out of the young stud, the young ace, Walker Bueller, on Friday. Uh, and Corey Knable struck out the side in the ninth inning to get the save, much to the pleasure 
of Dodger fans after Kenley had blown that save against the A's last week. And uh, like I said last week, that was that was such a hot topic on the show when we were talking about it. And and I said that Kenley couldn't be put in high leverage situations anymore. And the the Dodgers were in a tight spot in the ninth inning, and they they couldn't give up the lead. And Dave Roberts went to Corey Knable, and he ended up striking out the side, and it, it worked out. Um, but on Sunday, Kenley got a chance to redeem himself, and myself and and a lot of Dodger fans, as we were watching the game and tweeting along during the game, we kind of noticed Kenley did a bit of a heel turn, uh, and and a heel turn is is obviously a wrestling term for when uh, someone turns into the bad guy, and he changed his walkout music, which obviously when a say uh, a closer comes out. Uh, in a save situation, first thing you hear when the guy comes out the bullpen is obviously his his walkout music. And for, realistically, I think Kenley's entire career, it had been Tupac's California Love. And obviously, he had the nick, nickname Kenley Fornia, the whole thing. And on Sunday, he came out to Tupac's America's Most, Two of America's Most Wanted. And that was like a complete, like, He'll turn in, in a lot of Dodgers fans' opinions. Uh, he, I feel like he's heard the noise for the past few years, and, and Dodger fans were were frustrated with him uh, after the blown save in Oakland. But he came out and pitched a perfect ninth inning on Sunday. Uh, he struck out the first two batters he saw. His cutter was hitting 94 miles an hour, which ha- hasn't happened in a while. So... It looks like there's been a fire that's been lit under Kenley Jansen. And, I mean, hopefully the Dodgers can find themselves with a good problem to have, and that's too many good pitchers in the bullpen and not enough innings to go around. So it was it was really cool this weekend to see the Dodgers in that gold, those gold-trimmed uniforms get their rings on Friday. They swept the Nationals. They're on a four-game win streak. They're winning right now against the Rockies. It's it's full steam ahead for the Dodgers, and this team is looking really good. I'm really excited. Um, also, on Sunday, the Dodgers, they honored uh, the 40-year anniversary of Fernando Mania and the great pitcher Fernando Valenzuela. And speaking of guys that should be in the Hall of Fame, or, I mean, maybe to, to some, some people's opinion, um, but Julian Edelman retired from the NFL to transition real quick before we get into basketball. What are your thoughts on Julian Edelman's retirement, Tyler? Um, I know, obviously, a lot of the conversation surrounding Julian Edelman's retirement has gone immediately to, is he a Hall of Fame player or is he not? Um, what What are your thoughts on Julian Edelman retiring? Uh, well, first of all, I mean, hell of a career by, by a dude that probably had zero, um, you know, zero hype coming in as a quarterback changing to, you know, wide receiver. Um, but I don't think he, unfortunately, I just, I just don't think he's a hall of famer in my book. I mean, his, his kind of claim to fame is he's, you know, second all time in receiving yards and catches in the playoffs only behind Jerry Rice, but I think that that's more of an opportunity 
than like a, a you know kind of a an outlier number that shows you how great he was. He was a very clutch player and he was a very consistent player. Um, obviously got a, a Super Bowl MVP in there, three-time Super Bowl champ. A great, great, like all-around football player, but in my mind, just not a, uh, not a Hall of Famer. I think a lot of players would have uh, been able to do the things that he did in his situation. And that's not to take away from him. It's just kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, realistically, you give Tom Brady any receiver and you see what he can do with them. But, I I mean, I I see definitely what you're saying where you, you're not sure if he, he's a Hall of Famer or not. There's plenty of guys that have better numbers career-wise statistically that are not in the Hall of Fame yet. Uh, like, I mean, guys that come to mind, yeah. Heinz Ward, Reggie Wayne, it took Terrell Owens uh, a little bit, or I, I'm not even sure if Terrell's in yet. Um, or no, he is in. Yeah, he, he didn't is. do the speech. Yep. That was what it was. Um, it took Terrell Owens a while to get in. I think eventually Edelman probably gets in, but I definitely don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think that, I mean, most of these great, you know, big-time wide receivers – had more career yards and touchdowns like five years in. Oh, like, yeah. The dude had 6,800 6, receiving yards and 36 touchdowns over his career. You know, uh, it's it's not nothing against him. I just don't – I don't see where he, like, he was a dominant force on the game. And, and, and in most situations, he was wide open because of the guys around him. Now, the last couple of years, they leaned on him a little more, but – the, for the majority of his career, he was being opened up by, you know, tight ends and other and other weapons. Yeah. And, I mean, listen, it's not the Hall of Very Good. It's the Hall of Fame. But there's well, also – this, this. Well, I mean, real, real quick, there's also the argument of – I mean, I always, like, I always like to think back. It's like, can you tell the story of the league without this player? And it's like – Edelman is like Julian Edelman, his place in NFL history, I think, is cemented either way, whether he gets into the Hall of Fame or not, because of exactly. the teams the teams he was a part of. Yep. So it's it's that. a very it's a very interesting argument to to be had of whether he is a Hall of Famer or not. Yeah, and I just think it goes back to this old argument, you know, this is kind of what we the opposite of what we talked about with Philip Rivers. And it's just like, you know, are you going to value individual – is the Hall of Fame for individual success or team success? Because, I mean, it's like Phillip Rivers, I think, is in a, was an elite quarterback his entire career. Julian Edelman played on a, a dynasty, you know, and was the beneficiary of a, of a dominant machine. Um, I, I think the perfect comparison for Julian Edelman in a different sport is Robert Ory in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, even like – on, on and even Robert Ory played, you know? I think, more important roles on his teams than Julian Edelman did. And, and see, I would, and I would never say Robert Ory is a Hall of Famer, it, right? It, you know, like it, it's just I he had great. He was part of a lot of great team success, but it goes as to, an individual, I just don't think that you can take it over somebody that's actually like a bet. You know, well, and that goes to what you were saying about benefiting from the environment that you're in 
Yeah, I mean, Calvin Johnson had better stats than him, you know, five years into his career. Yeah. And well, and Calvin Johnson also first ballot Hall of Fame. He never played so. it. I don't even think he played in the in the playoffs. I think he might have played once, but that's. I mean, who knows with Detroit? But no, I mean, listen, hey, either way, like I said, Julian Edelman's like place in NFL history it's been cemented I mean everyone's always going to remember those Patriot teams and he was a part of those teams so it's like he's always going to be attached to that legacy and he has he has every right to be attached to that legacy he was an important piece to that team for Mm -hmm. many years and he does have that Super Bowl MVP that it I think was very well deserved he came up with some huge catches in that game so it's he had a hell of a career Obviously, it sucks. Um, I think professional athletes never want to go out because of an injury, but in the NFL, that's kind of the name of the game. But, I mean, he had a hell of a year, or hell of a career, I mean, excuse me. Yeah, hell of a career. He's a real football player. I mean, the kind of those are some of my favorite football players, are guys like him that do a little bit of everything. Um, they're not one-dimensional much one-dimensional guy that make themselves valuable and yeah he's gonna always live in uh football glory being part of that patriots run yeah definitely so all right before we hit three in the key i gotta let you know that this episode of the sports kingdom show is sponsored by j diamond estates for all of your real estate needs here in the los angeles area contact jacob diamond at 818-451-8539 or you can check out his website, jdiamondestates.com, DRE number 02068311. Come on, you're getting paid. Ask something. Three seconds at midfield. Final seconds. Brian for the win. Did I miss anything while I was gone? take this and you burn it. Job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. So when you get done with this, you should be butt-ass naked. There's really no way, like no good way to start this part of Three in the Key um, because we have to we have to talk about why the Minnesota Timberwolves and Brooklyn Nets had their game on Monday postponed. They ended up playing the game yesterday on Tuesday, but um, the Minnesota Timberwolves along with the Minnesota Twins and the Minnesota Wild all postponed their games uh, that were scheduled on Monday. The Twins postponed their game against the Red Sox to make it a doubleheader today and the Minnesota Wild postponed their game against the St. Louis Blues to May 12th in the wake of the Dante Wright shooting by former Brooklyn Center Police Officer Kim Porter when she mistook her gun for her taser and shot Wright during a traffic stop in Brooklyn Center. Brooklyn Center is a suburb of Minneapolis, and obviously we know almost a year ago now, Tyler, and it's crazy that it's been almost a year since George Floyd was murdered, but uh, 
Brooklyn Center being a suburb of Minneapolis and, and the proximity to everything that has transpired over the past year in Minneapolis and Minnesota, it it was out of precaution that these games were uh, postponed. There have been curfews in effect in the area, so that also played a factor in, in postponing the games. But it's... I mean, I don't – one, two things, like two things. One, it's crazy how the pandemic is slowly winding down and we're starting to see the numbers go down and things open back up and now we're starting to see more mass shootings. It's it's wild. Um, it's, yeah, man, it's like exhausting. I, yeah. You know, it's – it's exhausting it's like maddening it's just it's just uh, i mean there's there's no real words uh you can describe it i mean people are fucking tired of the of of waking up every day you know and it's just it just feels like it's non-stop yeah um, it, yeah it's it's just it's heartbreaking you know it just it's another another family losing another you know another kid um yeah i mean it's just like it's just tragic to keep seeing this uh keep seeing mass shootings keep seeing you know police brutality against the black and brown communities um it's uh and you know it's cool that they postponed the game but you know we were kind of talking about that before the show you know yeah my thing was is and like you said we were talking about this before the show and i i kind of said it to you it's just like I'd like okay, the the wild the Minnesota Wild the hockey team the NHL team they postponed their game to May twelfth. Okay, they postponed it a month down the road. The the Twins they played a doubleheader today against the Red Sox instead of playing uh, Monday. Um, and then the Timberwolves and and Nets they played yesterday after not playing on Monday. But it's like, what did what did that accomplish? And we were also saying before uh, we started recording, it was like this is the third time we've had to talk about sports like stopping because of something like this. It happened when George Floyd was murdered. It happened when Jacob Blake was murdered in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and the Milwaukee Bucks decided before their game in the in the NBA bubble. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was during the NBA playoffs. It was a playoff game. Um. It, it might not have been. I can't remember, honestly. Um, well, I think I think it was a bubble game, which was like getting them into the playoffs. Right. Uh, so they were important basketball games. Right. And they just decided right before the game they weren't going to take the court. Uh, and yeah. now we see uh, games getting postponed because of what's happening in, in Minneapolis once again. So it's – yeah it's 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 uh super unfortunate and you know it is kind of it is kind of a you know you just start to question what's you know what does it do and i guess just to find a silver lining in all of this is i think that we have started to see some changes uh across the country there has been some police reforms in certain places uh the mlb moved its all-star game uh you know what i mean so not that the, it's it's an uphill battle. There's so much work to be done. I mean, 
it's it's such a systematic thing uh, that you know I do think that I do think that sitting out is is doing something even though it's not a, a massive effect. I think just you got to keep the pressure on. You know what I mean? We can't forget um, what the problems we're facing. Uh, and I think what it does is just reminds us, like, we got to keep fighting, keep fighting, keep asking for change, keep demanding change uh, and getting better. Because I, I do feel like there are some some places out there in the country that are getting better and trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And I think um, I think a lot of professional athletes, uh, especially in uh, the NBA that I've seen over the past couple days since uh the shooting in brooklyn center uh where dante wright was shot by by a former police officer now a former police officer and uh kim porter has been charged uh i believe with multiple charges including manslaughter uh so we'll see obviously it'll play out in court but um what i was going to say was is i think like you were saying tyler with applying that pressure and and keep keeping on talking about the change that that we want to see and all of that and it's like i think nba players especially from what i've seen at least just because i follow the nba so closely it's like players in their media availability they're ignoring basketball questions and answering with social change answers and and demanding change and calling out local politicians and national politicians and, and all of that and and talking about the things that they believe in. And I think that they just got to keep doing that. And yeah. I, I commend them for, for doing that. And it's taking the conversation. They're definitely, the most, they're, they're definitely the most active. I feel like this league and the players, when it comes to just a total percentage of their players being active, you know, the NBA is, is done. I think a good job. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's got to, there's no, there's, there's no, you know, there is no justice in a lost life. You know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's, we can only just keep continuing to strive to get better because this is just not the way. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's, there's no easy transition uh, from that, but we'll, we'll transition now to, to talking about Jamal Murray tearing his ACL and, and most likely being out for, for the season he he tore his ACL Monday night uh, for the Nuggets and, and Denver. They're they're sitting in fourth place in the Western Conference right now, uh, but the Lakers are now a half game behind them. This is clearly a huge blow to Denver. Um, it's it's very obvious, I think, Tyler, that this is a completely. Like this injury completely shakes up the playoff picture in the Western Conference. Um, I think that I think this move takes Denver down a serious peg, uh, not necessarily from contender to pretender, but from serious like Western Conference Finals potential NBA Finals contender to really just the the middle of the pack type team in in the western conference that could sneak in through through a play-in type scenario like obviously i still think they'll make the playoffs this year given how much time is left in the regular season um but i just i i don't really take denver as seriously anymore 
with Murray going down. No, they're not a threat anymore to the to the Lakers and the Clippers. It's more, you know, even Utah and Phoenix. They're they're just yeah. Those are the clear cut top four now. There's a they're a good team, um, and you know they still have a lot of weapons. You still have to respect, you know, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon. Yeah, Jokic still might win the MVP. Obviously, Jokic can do a lot of things for him, and he's a matchup nightmare all over the league. So. But I, I don't see them winning a playoff series. You know, they went from, like you said, they went from being a legitimate Western Conference Finals. You know, they're not going to be an easy out a- anywhere. Yeah. Um, to, to you know, you have to have somebody on the perimeter that can go and get a bucket. You can't rely on Jokic to distribute their way to an NBA Finals. Yeah, I mean, realistically, Den. I mean, I don't want to say Denver and Mo- – I was going to say Denver and Milwaukee are pretty similar now with uh, being centered around Giannis and, and Jokic, but I, I, it is different scenarios because Milwaukee still has Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, and they they can get buckets and, and handle the ball and all of that. So it is different, but um, that was just kind of me thinking out loud. Um, yeah, this is their second best player. You know, this is a stud. Yeah, no, I all-star, mean, he's all star caliber player. And we know, saw what he was doing. We saw what he was doing against Donovan Mitchell in the bubble last year. They were going fifty points back to back nights, going just back yeah, and forth, a, going at each other's heads. Like Jamal Murray is a competitor. Like he is a dude he, in the league. As much as I hate to say, because I can't stand him because yeah. of his antics, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm not necessarily a huge Jamal Murray fan, but he can play. And... Yeah. Uh, this definitely changes the the uh, the Denver Nuggets playoff landscape. Yeah, but what I really wanted to to have a discussion with you about because this is this has really been a lot of the talk surrounding this injury. But can you contribute the short season or the short off season and the turnaround? as a reason to why Jamal Murray got hurt. Now, before you answer, Tyler, I just want to point some things out for you. The Denver Nuggets had an 87-day layoff in between the end of them getting eliminated in five games by the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals in the bubble to the start of the season. And so, basically, now they had 87 days off in between last season and this season. The league is trying to cram in 72 games and a full postseason in time for players to have the option to play in the Olympics, and there is clear evidence to that in all of the back-to-backs, three games and four nights, all of that type of scenarios to where they are just trying to cram in as many games in as possible to where they can get players eligible to play for the Olympics if they want to, and... I mean, basically, the the NBA before the pandemic started or b- before the pandemic hit, they were trying to minimize all of these three games and four nights and back-to-backs and, and all of that. So it, the Nuggets, they were on their sixth game in eight days on Monday night when Jamal Murray got hurt. So can you contribute them trying to squeeze this season in and I mean, we we talked about it a bunch. I feel like I think we're on the same page with this. We we know they that this whole starting the season before Christmas, 
uh, is a money grab, and they were trying to get in as many games as possible, try and get fans in as soon as possible so they could make up all the lost revenue. Like, this, this is a complete money grab. Yeah, yeah. I mean, similar to the to the NFL extending their season, you know, it has nothing. They're not the players are not in mind when you make those kind of decisions. It's it's a bottom line decision, no doubt. Um, and you know what I was going to say with the I I think there's a correlation between injuries and and, and a quick turnaround. Injury injuries more common without with less rest just uh, to point out jamal murray is the fourth acl tear of this nba season so what i was going to say is why you know obviously you can't like with 100 certainty say it happened because of rest like you just injuries happen it's a part of the game right uh, and i think a lot of injuries happen you know every year that's why i can you know I can say there's a correlation to the to the logic of less rest. You're more vulnerable to injuries, um, and it's, I mean, especially like you know, a six game and eight nights. That's ridiculous. Um, especially so playing that, it, playing at the pace really, that NBA players are playing at these days. Yeah, that's yeah. very taxing on the body. Well, and you got to remember, this kid is what 23 years old. This uh, is not about, LeBron yeah. James. You know, well, and he's not, also grew up in the not, AAU culture of playing multiple games in one day and playing it year well, round. Well, I guess what, yeah, and at what you know, what I was saying, Jamal's twenty four, young person. No one is, no one is, you know, um, how do I put this? No one's indestructible when it comes to pushing it like that. It's, it's unfortunately, I feel like it's damn near just a luck a fluke it's a luck of the draw yeah. just a numbers scenario um there's going to be an x amount of people that get injured every year and i think you know the x amount of injuries increases when the time of rest and the turnarounds decrease yeah and i mean you know, so, I, so i saw on twitter uh this guy jeff stotts he's at in street clothes but he, he's a certified athletic athletic trainer and i saw a couple uh nba reporters that i follow they they retweeted this guy and that's that's where i found out this is who i found out uh uh from that jamal murray was the fourth acl tear this nba season but since 2005 2006 uh there have been about three acl tears per nba season so jamal murray being the fourth we're, we're about in in the average range uh for one season but uh, I mean, if you just not only look at Jamal Murray, but look across the league at some of the injuries and how long some of these guys have been out, I think it I think it is uh, a testament to trying to cram in all these all these games in a, in a short amount of time. You're just ask. You're not making it any better. You know. Yeah, you're not exactly. Making it any easier. So you you know you you push it like this, and you're bound to get some injuries probably that weren't going to happen if you didn't you know yeah now the article it's that hard, I, it's hard to extrapolate in like a stats scenario you know because yeah. injuries aren't perfect you know what I right mean? and, and every injury every injury is unique thing. yeah yeah but the article that i sent you before the show earlier today uh from baxter holmes and espn uh he was talking to a bunch of anonymous 
NBA GMs, uh, head coaches, assistant coaches about this issue. And one of the issues that was brought up is, and I think we kind of talked about it, Tyler, uh, in terms of schedule making uh, back when the league was trying to figure out the bubble and figure out the start date for this year is the impact of the shutdown to the bubble to the start of this season to the end of this season this like 18 month to two year span it's gonna have ripple effect ramifications for the nba for years to come and that i think was our biggest thing on the tsk show when we were talking about the return to the nba when it initially got shut down is we don't want to affect years down the road and it's happening exactly and it's unfortunate and you know obviously i'm not in a position to make these kind of decisions i don't know what i would do if i was in in that position but i mean we got to shut down the men's olympic team you know what I mean? We, I, I just, I feel like there's no way we should be sending our superstars over there this, this Olympics. I don't think our superstars are gonna go, and they shouldn't. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's a great honor, but let these college kids go out, go out there and get it. You know what I mean? Like, let, let some people that need the opportunity go out. Get, give Isaiah Thomas the opportunity or Joe Johnson. You know, give some college kids the opportunity. Give some. So some guys that aren't playing a lot of minutes in the NBA. Look at what Joe uh, Johnson and Isaiah Thomas did with the with the FIBA team. Yeah, and they weren't they weren't necessarily playing eight you know eight teams over there, but they were playing international. You know, this is this is the this is a competitive basketball you know right. uh, competitive basketball game. They can help you win a basketball game. So um, I I hope that we do something about set in superstars to olympics because you know this is really going to get out of hand we're going to really start affecting covid's going to end up affecting three four years of basketball when you know i feel like it could have been avoided oh it definitely could have been avoided so it's i mean it i don't know if it necessarily could have been avoided altogether but there there were definitely i think better ways to to handle it there were things you could do that they didn't do, you know, even if you did, you know, if you went with uh, went along with the whole bubble thing, um, they still dropped the ball in this year uh, with the amount of games that they're asking to play in the time span. They didn't need to play all those games. Like we said, that was a bottom line decision. Yeah. And that's, um, that's where it and, all circles and, back and, to. It's well, and unfortunately, you know, the bottom line is not affected with Jamal Murray. You know what I mean? Like, it, Jamal Murray and the Denver Nuggets are the ones that are losing out on this. Not the, you know, not the league. They're still going to get their money. Well, I These think the league still does. Gonna be played. I think the the league does miss out on on Jamal Murray getting hurt because now, realistically, Jamal Murray is he got hurt with about seventeen to twenty games left in the regular season. I'm not really sure how many games left the Nuggets have exactly, but his injury recovery could potentially go into next season so that means if, yeah, he's, if, the, if he's the real loser in all of this well he's sure. the real loser in all of this but in terms of the networks and the nba looking at it the schedule makers for 
the TV deal or the TV networks and the league, they might not put Denver on nationally televised games because Jamal Murray. And so that is a, that is where the the league misses out in having well, one of its no, I mean, I one think, of its international it, stars in Nikola Jokic on the Nuggets on national TV. No, yeah, I think I I believe that the Nuggets organization as a whole hurts. Like you said, no Jamal Murray could could take away some nationally televised games. It's definitely going to probably cost them an, a, a series in the playoffs that they might have been able to win. Um, but the NBA is not going to, you know, the NBA is still going to have their primetime games. The NBA is still going to roll out the playoffs. The champion is still going to be big time. You know, we've yeah. seen this before. Yeah, you know no, the I mean? NBA it's doesn't just, stop it's moving. It's an unfortunate dynamic of, you know, corporate America, essentially. But, you know, the machine keeps running, even if it, even if one per, it's bigger than any one person, you know. Yeah, the saying in show business is the show must go on. The show must go Yeah, so it, it it's, that's why it's it feels kind of icky because, it feels like the league could have done something to help prevent it. Obviously they can't, you know, 100% stop injuries, but you know, maybe a 45 or 50 game season instead of what? 66. Is that what they're doing? 72 this year. The 66 was when they came back from the lockout that, that I think is honestly one of the, the perfect scenarios, 66 games. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's too bad. It, it really is. Yeah, but as I said, the show must go on, and and we're moving on to our last topic for three in the key, and that is uh, former UConn head coach, former NBA player, uh, Kevin Ollie. He was hired as the head coach and director of player development of the Overtime Elite. Overtime Elite is a new professional basketball league for 16- to 8-year-olds that is being put on uh, by overtime the uh, social media content provider, I guess is how you would um, describe them. I I kind of dub them the the king of the the AAU mixtapes uh, currently right now. I feel like that's where everybody. Yeah, if if you don't, you could follow nothing about high school basketball. If you just followed overtime, you'd be in you tune with get- it you get the all the headlines yeah you know, you, you'd know all the big news so tyler why don't you talk more about what uh kevin ollie being hired as as the head coach and director of player development uh and what well, that I think means this, yeah i mean i think this was like a low-key kind of big time historical move you know he's the Kevin all, I think was a great choice, obviously, uh, you know, a great leader and, you know, not, not very old, you know, he's not super removed from the game. Uh, he was playing, you know, he was playing with Allen Iverson. He coached Kemba when they won the national title. Um, so he's, you know, he's not, he's not so old. He's still got some energy. He played with Kevin Durant on the thunder. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So he's got, um, I think he was a good pick. You know, I don't think you could go like super old with that kind of pick when you're going to be coaching. You know, you need a college guy, I guess, just to match a 16, 17, 18 year old energy. Um, but, you know, it's it just, I think what overtime is doing is really cool with this. Um, it's a team and uh, it's, it's 30 kids, um, up to 30 kids, I guess. Uh, 16 to 18 juniors and seniors and elite prospects and juniors and seniors 
uh, over over the entire world. So they're not just going to be pulling from uh, America. This is going to be a, a worldwide venture. Um, they'll play a schedule of a mixed schedule of prep schools in America, uh, and then they will also um, and uh, you know go test out the waters overseas against um, some of the the younger kind of farm system teams over in Europe. I thought this was its uh, own and- whole league. This is this is much more interesting, Tyler. This. It's yep. It's a team. See, okay, so this is like basically Lavar Ball's JBA All Stars on like steroids. I feel like, yeah, because like they he took he took a team of like the best players from the team and he took them on a tour across the world playing like lower division professional teams. So Mm -hmm. that is that essentially that's essentially what this is gonna be. Yeah, and and but it does have an education factor to them. They will be like tutored in in um, areas that interest them, and they will also be taught, um, you know, ec- uh, like financial, uh, financial, financial liter- stuff. literacy. Um, what's that? Financial literacy. Financial literacy. Uh, they'll be uh, obviously they'll accomplish a GED or the equivalent of a high school diploma. Are they giving um, up so their they- NCAA eligibility? So they are giving up their NCAA, uh, uh, their NCAA availability. They they won't be able to uh, participate in college. Uh, but I mean, when you're talking about 30 kids over the world, you know these guys are going to be the elite elite. And it, and it could what I think it's going to do is open the door to to come straight out of there to the league. They might even be able to surpass the G League like ignite um, type of team. You know, they're 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 you pros essentially. So? They'll be able to. They're making money off their uh, name and likeness. No, I know, but you uh, think that they, you think that they could compete with the guys that that are going to the the G League elite team, because like I feel like the top of the top, they're gonna go to the NBA's. Like they're gonna try and get to that NBA pipeline through that's the what G I'm League saying. Ignite I think team. most players, yeah, they're not gonna go through the Ignite teams. I don't. I don't. I mean, there obviously some might. So you think I these think are going to the be the the guys that are on the overtime elite team? Those are kind of be like the the leftovers from the the G League Ignite team. No, I think this is these are these are younger than the Ignite team. You know what I mean? Because the Ignite team, you still have to be graduated. Interesting. You know, the like like the like Jalen Green, and uh, um, well, Deshaun Nix, Jonathan. Jonathan Kaminga. Like oh, those right. Two guys. You still have to be gradu- graduated from high school. Exactly. This is before that. Like, Got so it. you could potentially play for overtime elite and then go play for the Ignite team. Got it. So this is a step but, even uh, below that. Okay. 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 Got it. And essentially, they're making their turn. Essentially, they're saying if you're at, if you're coming off your sophomore year and you feel like you're NBA bound, you're that elite. You know, you're the top of the top of the top guys like mikey williams and imani bates i think that that's that's what this is designed for yeah um so you can start making money while you're hot uh you can be you're gonna the salaries are in the six digits so a hundred thousand dollar salaries to you know 17 16 17 18 year old kids that's a lot of money uh they're being taught how to brand themselves they're being taught financial literacy like we talked about um it's kind of a whole package they will be taught they will learn how to become a pro in the sense that it's a year-round gig it's not something that's like seasonal like school 
Um, they will be well traveled. Uh, they're you know they're going to play teams all over the country. They're going to they're going to play in other countries. Um, it's a really cool uh, thing that they're doing, and it's very similar to like what we always talked about with like a farm league, and, and like what Europe does with their you know they're snatching kids up yeah. at, you know 10, 11, 12 years old and getting them into you know Real Madrid has a you know a, a U thirteen team. Yeah, you know, so I think that that's kind of like where this is going, um, and it's it's really cool. You know, I think there's obviously some ways it can go bad, but um, I think the amount of good it's going to do is is definitely going to outweigh it, and, and kids are going to be able to get to the league faster and um, be compensated. Yeah, man, I just I think the more time that goes by, the more avenues there are going to be for kids to go alternate routes other than the NCAA because we see how corrupt and disorganized the NCAA really is. Well, and so, you know, the big thing that the NCAA had going for it always was exposure and competition. And now exposure is kind of out the door. And overtime you know, is leading overtime is leading exposure for high school at like high school basketball players right now. On the exactly. So I would say that an overtime elite player is going to get more exposure on a year round basis than some star at Kentucky or North Carolina. You know, that's that's what I would argue. Um, it's it's a changing world and, and uh, the way we do things should change with it. You know, um, these kids are are living in a different world than the, than we did, you know, even uh, even not that long ago. So. Uh, it's really cool, man. I, I'm excited to see what this what goes down because there's absolutely you know these top tier freshmen and sophomores shouldn't be playing four years of high school basketball. I mean, if you win, you know, Imani Bates was one Michigan Player of the Year as a freshman. Why is he playing four years of high school basketball? Because it's a rule. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> it's an arbor. It's that's why you know it's some old rule that we have that he has to he has to play to get to a place that he already is at. Yeah. I wonder if uh, Brandon Wimbush and Aiden Seil are going to be trying to tap in with overtime elite with a mogul. That'd be interesting. That's that's, that's exactly their lane. You know, I do believe that they're trying to help out the kids that aren't going to get these opportunities. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I do think they're, they're probably they're I, what I really liked about moguls, like, you know, kind of business plan is is touching all the different athletes. Yeah. Um, and all the different sports, you know, because you know, the men's basketball and football teams do get a um not not that they get a fair shake at it, but they get the best shake at it. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean listen, hey, Kevin Ollie, that's definitely a name and a face that people will recognize uh for this overtime elite team. Um I think that was one of the things and we mentioned uh, LeVar Ball already with his JBA. I think that was one of the things that he was kind of missing. Obviously, LaMelo was the face as the player, but yeah. I think they they kind of needed another face in terms of a, yeah. a coach or, uh, I, or a mentor aspect for the unfortunately, league. Unfortunately, it looks like LeVar is going to be my space. You know, he really was. He was he had the right idea. He had, oh, yeah. the, you know, and he's he, not going to he get was, the credit he, he deserves for it, but we'll, we'll give no. it to him. 
No, he's not. But because he was so close, but just not quite there. Yeah, he had uh, the right but idea. But he pushed he pushed the agenda forward, I believe, you know. For sure. Uh and, for sure. and uh, I'm excited. Um Kevin Ollie's gonna be it's gonna be a great job for him, player development and coach. Uh, you know, they got it they got a they got a NCAA tournament champ, you know, as a coach. So he knows how to coach in in, in high stakes games. He was an NBA player on top of that, so uh, and this this staff is only going to get better as we go on. Yeah, definitely. So, all right, let's uh, let's transition now, Tyler, back to the NBA because it's time for the Lake Show Lowdown, uh, our segment completely dedicated to what is going on with the Lakers. And so currently, right now, the Lakers sit at a record of 34 and 21. They are fifth in the West. Uh, like I mentioned when we were talking about Jamal Murray getting injured, the Lakers are a half game back of the Nuggets for the four seed in the Western Conference. The Lakers, uh, they went four and three on their seven-game road trip that just concluded yesterday with a win over the Charlotte Hornets. Alex Caruso hit a dagger three. Shout out the Bald Eagle. Shout out the Caruso. Um, so they went four and three on the seven game road trip. Uh, they had two games on the West Coast, Sacramento, and then against the Clippers, but it was a Clipper home game. So Lakers road game technically. And then they had five games on the East Coast. But since LeBron uh, got hurt against the Atlanta Nuggets, or the Atlanta Nuggets, excuse me, the Atlanta Hawks uh, back on March 20th, uh, the Lakers, they are sixth and eight. Uh, they are six and eight, but most importantly, in my opinion, Tyler, five of those six wins during this stretch without both LeBron James and Anthony Davis since LeBron got hurt, five of those six wins were games they were supposed to win. And they obviously had the cherry on top and, and the best win of the season so far. And that's not according to me. That's according to Frank Vogel and, and some players on the team. But Nonetheless, the best win of the season so far against the Brooklyn Nets over the weekend. And Tyler, we, we've talked about the Lakers since LeBron James and Anthony Davis have been hurt. And, and we said all they had to do while those guys were hurt was stay around the 500 mark. And that's exactly what they've done. And I also said that I wasn't worried much about the Lakers slipping in the standings because of how competitive it is in the Western Conference. And now with Jamal Murray being out for most likely the rest of the season with a torn ACL, the Lakers have a chance to sneak back into the top four if they can get things rolling once LeBron James and Anthony Davis return. So what 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 were you most impressed with during this run for the Lakers ending the road trip over 500 and and still sticking around the 500 mark in terms of of their record since LeBron James went out uh, against the Atlanta Hawks. Well, I mean, it's been best case, not best case scenario, obviously, because, you know, they could always win more games, but it's gone about as well as you could ever hope. Yeah. You know, they really without a doubt dropped in the standings. Um, and it looks like they're going to be able to finish at that four or five spot, which is pretty good. Um, and, and that's saying, you know, saying that still with, 
you know, AD and Braun are still out, you know, so it's, it's, they're not completely out of the woods yet, but it looks like it's going to be okay. As far as the standings go. Um, the thing that you want to see as a Laker fan, in my opinion, that you should be happy about. And I've said this before, uh, uh, you know, probably every year <laughs> about LeBron James basketball teams. Like when LeBron James is like sidelines are smiling and jumping up and down and players are having fun on the court and there's passing and there's dunks and everybody's eating. That's when LeBron teams are scary. Well, and because, I think because he's such a good chemistry guy, such a good leader, he elevates everybody's play so much there. They've been able to keep that kind of energy, even with him on the sideline, uh, you know, guys like, Horton Tucker and Kuzma and and Schroeder and new and new additions like like DeAndre and and Ben McLemore like you mean Andre not I'm DeAndre in, it, what what did I say DeAndre you said DeAndre Drummond? you just meant oh, Andre yeah uh, yeah Andre Drummond <laughs> Ben McLemore um, it, it's what you want to see I mean this team like if you're not a Laker fan you don't want to see LeBron teams out there having fun passing the rock around everybody's eating and there's a lot of energy on the bench because I feel like that's when LeBron's pretty tough to beat. Well, I think uh, a contributing factor to why the Lakers have been doing uh, not so well without LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but as well as they've been doing in, in comparison, but LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they've been on the sideline. Jared Dudley's been on the sideline. He's out for the for the season most likely with a with a MCL tear. And so, I mean, they're still actively engaged in games even though they're not in uniform. And I mean, we'll see it in games like as we're as we're watching on TV like as as they're going to timeout or coming out uh, coming back in from a break and the, the camera's on a huddle at the bench. And it's like you see LeBron James and Anthony Davis being active and talking to guys who are in the game and showing them stuff on the court or with the iPad or clipboard or whatever of, of things they can do to make adjustments in games to, to help benefit the team on the court. And I think that's just so huge having them just – on these road trips with these new guys and the team itself to still have that chemistry aspect of a team, even though LeBron James and Anthony Davis aren't physically out there on the court with them. But I think that time spent with the team while they've been injured will help them better transition on the court once they get back. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly, you know, what I was trying to say as far as, like, that's not what you want to see if you're a fan of yeah. any, anybody but the Lakers. Totally. You know, if you're, that, that that is, in essence, you know, like I said, that energy on the sideline, um, jumping up and down, hollering at dunks, you know, stepping off the court and, and teaching, uh, you know, it's essentially like they got five, six coaches on the sideline, you know? Yeah. It, it's uh, – and I tell you what, you don't get to the finals unless you have that. Teams with any sort of issue in a locker room or they're, they're, if there's any sort of like anything outside of just great chemistry, teams don't necessarily – I just don't think teams really get to the finals. 
Yeah. No, and it's you like you know, it's like that Miami Heat team last year was was loving playing together. Those Warriors teams love to play together. You know what I mean? It's and and it looked easy to them because of how well the chemistry is in the locker room and and all that kind of stuff. Well, and it's it's also a lot easier to understand something from a player's perspective when you have a basketball mind like a LeBron James or even a Mark Gasol, for that matter, explaining these things to you. And, and Anthony Davis, in his own right, has a very high basketball IQ. He wouldn't be a top-five player in the world if he didn't, you know? Like, these guys no, are they've smart. Got, they've got a ton. They've got a ton of knowledge. And, I, you know, even more so than beating the Nets, I think just seeing, like, just the eyeball test of the chemistry that's that you can just see, I mean – they're having fun and they're winning games. Like that is a dangerous combo. Um, and, 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 uh, that's, I think the Lakers are going to, you know, when LeBron and AD get out there, it's going to be seamless. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I've been most impressed with during this run without LeBron James and Anthony Davis has been Frank Vogel's ability to get the guys to buy in to the culture of this team and the identity of this team, especially on defense. And the Lakers have been able to be the top defensive team in the league still with two of their best defenders sitting on the sideline with injuries. And I want to go back to the Lakers-Nets game because, like I said, it was a signature win and really the signature win of the season so far. And just I was so impressed with the Lakers and their fight in that game and their their ability to shut the Nets down the way that they did. And listen, I mean, we know that all the talk surrounding the Lakers and the Nets is realistically they are on this collision course to meet in the NBA Finals. And I know that Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden are going to go out in the playoffs and they're going to play every game. They're not going to be load managing and all of that type of stuff. And they're going to get theirs. But the way that the Lakers were able to hold the Nets supporting cast guys to virtually have no impact in that game, that says a lot to me about this Lakers team and that they were able to do that without LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the court and win by 25 points. That was a statement. And like holding supporting cast guys like Joe Harris to only six points and not a single three-pointer made, that's huge when you're going up against a team like the Nets because Joe Harris is one of the best shooters in the world. So I just have been so impressed with the Lakers' ability to still maintain that defensive dominance even without two of their best defenders this entire time. Well... Yeah, no, absolutely. Very, like, incredibly impressive and, and a huge statement win. Obviously, that was a statement. You know, they obviously wanted that game more. And that shows you that shows you what a heart of, of a competitor. That's kind of like a Jimmy Butler, you know, scenario. Well, like, and defense is all effort want, and heart. Want, and that's where I was going with this. It's like you want something um, bad enough, you're going to, on the defensive end, it's really going to show. Because so much of it is effort and so much of it is knowledge. Um, and this is one of the smartest teams. And even, you know, the 
Vogel's a great coach. LeBron's a great coach. AD's a great coach. I'm sure Gasol is a great coach. Um, they have assistant coaches as well. Um, Jason Kidd, very, Lionel Hollins, Phil team, Handy. This team is very on on point. They are on the same page. Um, and that's that's I mean, that's what you want. That's dangerous. That's dangerous for the whole league. And, you know, to be fair, I think the Nets, you know, are too. I think they're a team that's everybody's on the same page. And they're going to be a problem in the playoffs. Now, they obviously got their ass whipped. And, you know, that's a big that's a big win for the Lakers. Like mentally, standing-wise, whatever, whatever you want, way you want to spin it. Like that's good for all the talent, Horton Tuckers, the Carusos, the Kuzmas, for those guys to step on the court next time they see the Nets and to have that as their last experience. You know that's big time. You can't really put a number on something like that, uh, and it's it's going to be fun. I, I I really hope that these two teams match up in the finals uh, because it's going to be it's going to be a lot of uh, good basketball. Yeah, and I mean we we were talking about injuries before with with jamal murray and i mean it's it's just all contingent on everybody staying healthy and and fingers crossed everyone does so it's it's gonna be fun i mean listen the the lakers they have let me see one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen they got 17 games left tyler Till the playoffs and just a quick look ahead uh over the next 10 days uh they got boston at home for their first game home uh since the seven game road trip it will also be the first game with fans in the arena at staple center how fitting that it is that it is against the boston celtics uh so that is that is great for for the rivalry for for the Lakers, for fans, it's it's going to be great uh, to have fans in the building against the Celtics. But then they got two games against Utah, and then two games against Dallas. Uh, so, I mean, they just got to keep staying afloat like they have been uh, without LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But I'm I'm guessing uh, from what I've I've seen with where AD is at in terms of his rehab and and all of that i'm thinking he'll be back somewhere around maybe one of those dallas games um that the two dallas games are the start of a four-game road trip so maybe they hold him back until the end of that uh so maybe he makes his return friday april 30th against sacramento i don't know um but lakers just got to keep doing everything they can to win as many games as possible um and just just stay afloat and not slip too much in the standings yeah, they 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 they've set themselves up for success. You know, they only have to win two or three of those next five. You know, and then hopefully you get your AD and your your LeBron back for those last you know five to eight games of the season, and uh, or or the last ten games of the season, and you head into the playoffs. Because look, the Lakers seeding really doesn't matter. You know, it really is. Yeah, more we've about, talked about just, that. Can we get the team on the floor together for a couple of games before we head into the playoffs? And then, all right, let's do this thing. Right, exactly. It's it's just all it's gonna, about getting the reps together. 
and and it's it's been great for all these guys confidence to to sustain their place in the standings while these guys are out this is going to be a confident group yeah and i mean listen it's it gives these guys a chance to really showcase that they can they can play when the lights are brightest and I mean, obviously, roles change when when you have guys like LeBron and AD out, but you also need guys to step up when they're out, and and there were a lot of guys uh, that definitely stepped up. Uh, there were guys on the team that I think could have taken bigger steps uh, that I was kind of disappointed in, um, but I mean, hey, they're they're doing everything they can to to stay afloat and, and keep on trying to get the best position possible for this uh this playoff and championship run i will say this i think it's it's gonna be that boston celtics game man boston's gonna come out to play that's you know i do i do think it's really cool that la lined up like boston to be their team get their team back on get their fans back in the stands get their team back at staples center and then what ring ceremony night right no they're they got their rings on opening night already they're gonna do the banner uh oh, the banner celebrate. okay i knew yeah they're doing okay, the banner so, reveal wednesday yeah. may 12th because that's the the last home regular season game and hopefully by may 12th they'll be able to have more fans in the arena so they wanted to have as many fans in the arena as possible so they they said why yeah. why not do it the last regular season game or the last so there's, home there's no game. ceremony at the boston game other than fans being back yeah that's the only significance with the boston game is just it's the first game okay. with fans for some for some reason i was thinking they were like hanging the banner giving out the rings and i was like no man you were just asking for you're giving boston all the fuel in the world <laughs> no it's just just gonna be the fans making their no, first but that's appearance. great that's like such it's such perfect timing yeah no it's it's great it's it's gonna be a good time and i mean that's I'm, gonna be fucking four G's a ticket. Tyler, I've been looking at tickets and I've been trying to do everything I can to get into either a Dodger game or a Laker game now that I'm vaccinated. Tickets are expensive, man. It is yeah, unbelievable. They are price gouging like no other because it's limited capacity. And then you have the aspect of it's the first event someone's going to since COVID. So yeah, pe- well, people are charging an to, arm and a leg. Gotta, you just gotta come up here, my man. Dodgers will be here in the at the end of the month. Uh, oh, that's shit right. Is cheap. You can get in. It. Shit is cheap. You know, no one's going to major games. I might have to sneak up there, Tyler. We we might have to figure this out. Yep, yep. It's uh. It's is it a weekend down, series? We're, we're we might be in business here, Tyler. I think, but yeah, I mean, I think I think it's this weekend though. Oh no. <laughs> No, the Dodgers. Like, the, the Dodgers play the Padres the this game, weekend. I think the last. Well, well, I know they play on four. They play four twenty for sure. Oh, lovely. But it's a day game for some. It's like a day game on a Tuesday or something like that. Oh, it's a two game series Monday and Tuesday next week. Yeah, it's a tough. I knew. I knew it was a tough. Uh, and then the schematically. Mar- the Mariners come to L.A the day after my birthday may 11th I'm, and may 12th i think i i'm like all but certain i'm gonna be at the 420 game 
you should definitely be at the 420 game. That'd be I'm dope. Gonna, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go hit hit, uh, hit some tailgating before. Yes. Get in, watch the little baseball game. And then when I get home, put on that versus yep. Red Man and Method Man. I forgot just, you know, the Red Man and Method Man versus is on 420. That's going to be dope. Okay. All right. I know what I'm doing now. I got my plan. Yep. It's a good day. Yes. Um, but all right, uh, that's all I got for the Lake Show lowdown. Like I said, the Lakers, they're 34 and 21. They're fifth in the West. They got 17 games left. It's, it's almost playoffs, Tyler. I'm ready. It's, uh, it's about to be the good shit. I, 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 and with the whole playing scenario too, it's, it's just like, it's going to be a really fun playoff. Um, hopefully we get all of our superstars on the court as many as possible. Yeah, and speaking of the play-in, by the way, Tyler, remind me for next week for one of the three in the key topics, I want to talk about some of the criticism that the play-in tournament has received recently because that also kind of ties in to the injury talk that we were we were talking about earlier. Uh, so yep. I, I want to talk about that next week. Sounds good. All right. Uh, you got any shout-outs before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, man. So uh, this weekend, Saturday night, uh, another big fight that I'm excited for. Uh, we got YouTube star uh, Jake Paul. Oh, um, is, is, he's got his neck. He's got his first boxing match since since the Nate Ro- Nate Robinson knockout. Uh, he's fighting uh, Ben Askren, who is a um, a UFC fighter. Uh, he's a, a legit fighter MMA fighter. But he's he's a wrestler. So what I was going to say is, you know, Jake Paul is the bigger man. He's the younger man. He's been trained to box. And, and Ben Askren really is not a, a hands thrower. Interesting. You know, he's not a striker. This is a hardcore, you know, Division One wrestling, uh, world-class elite wrestling, like Olympic-level wrestling. Um, but, you know, what I will say that he has going for him is, Ben Askren has been locked in the cage with killers. Yeah. Okay. You know, and there is something to that. He's been, he, you know, he's fought Jorge Masvidal. He's fought Robbie Lawler and, and a, a number of other guys. These are, these are killers. So um, it's going to be fun to watch. Like, I mean, I, I could sit here all day and kind of just like talk myself into like Ben Askren winning. But <laughs> unfortunately my gut is still kind of just queasy about, I think Jake Paul's probably going to win. Unfortunately, um, do you know? Do you know the odds? Do you have the odds handy? I don't have the. I don't have the odds. Um, Hold on, but I got it. Uh, but you know, and Askren, you know, Askren's going to come out hopefully and, and and make it a fight. You know, don't don't be so. He's not a boxer, so hopefully he turns this thing into a fight. That's his best shot. Okay, uh, I'm looking on Odd Shark. Okay. Odd Shark says that Jake Paul is minus one ninety and Ben Askren is plus one fifty five. It's pretty tight. Yes, very tight. So but does it that Jake that, Paul's favorite technically? I mean, it, it it being tight makes sense because it's like you know on the surface level Jake Paul is the boxer he's the bigger man he's the younger man so it's like you could see him winning for those reasons. But what Ben Askren has going for him is he's a veteran. He's a he's a he's a pro fighter, uh, a career long fighter, a mixed martial artist, a UFC fighter, 
and uh the man can take a fucking punch yeah you know like the, these hits that he's taking in the ufc those are four ounce gloves compared to a 12 ounce boxing glove so he's not getting knocked out by robbie waller like punching him in the face with four ounce gloves it's gonna be tough for jake to knock him out yeah um, but anyways yeah so that fights this saturday super stoked about that and then obviously i, I got a shout out my man stefan the chef curry wardell uh, becoming becoming the warriors all-time leading scorer passing up it just i mean anytime you pass up this name and scoring it's unreal but you just passed up will chamberlain <laughs> as the warriors all-time leading scorer yeah and, you know, like I said, if you pass Will Chamberlain in any sort of scoring statistic, you're really doing it. And, you know, so shout out Wardell, uh, the best point guard ever. Uh, okay, pause. He's Matt Johnson's a better what, point guard. That's what we got. Um, but, yes. Hey, hey well, I'll get uh, – how about this? Steph Curry's still writing his book. All right. We'll, Fair. We'll, We'll, we'll come back to this. Yeah, we will we'll, we'll have that conversation once Steph is retired. But, no, like you said, anytime you pass Wilt the Stilt Chamberlain in any sort of statistical scoring category, that is quite the accomplishment. So hats off to Steph Curry, all-time leading scorer in Golden State Warriors history. Um, and then, obviously, my shout-out, uh, not really a shout-out, but more – uh, on a sad note, obviously, rest in peace to the great DMX. He was uh, a legend, a giant, uh, a true force, and a, a one-of-a-kind spirit who will be greatly missed by, by so many people worldwide. I remember the first time I ever heard a DMX song, I was watching Like Mike. I was probably like <laughs> eight or nine years old when like Mike came out and it's obviously the scene where Morris chestnut is listening to DMX, um, party up in, in the car. And he was, uh, surprised by Bow Wow's character, Calvin Cambridge in the back seat. And they, they started having uh, a rap off with the song. And I mean, every time I watched that movie and, and that, scene came on it just turned into a party in my living room um so that that was the first time i ever encountered dmx and i mean he yeah, he's a legend in in hip-hop and he oh, he will be greatly missed a, a true legend a true uh, genuine one-of-a-kind person yeah uh, uh you know i gotta you know say my piece here uh, dmx such a big uh just such a big influence in my life as far as music goes i mean i can remember here you know i i his album flesh in my flesh blood my blood was the first thing i ever heard of his uh from a kid in my neighborhood um i was 10 years old when that that album came out and you know 1998 we're talking you know tupac and biggie all that kind of stuff had just settled you know there what like this was a whole this was not West Coast gangster rap. This wasn't Biggie. This was something new that like I had never heard before, and um, it was raw and it was real and it was it was aggressive. It was I mean it was dope. People loved it. And um, the last thing I'll say, DMX. You know, my thanks, my thank you to DMX is um, "Party Up" was actually the song I sang to myself playing <laughs> AU basketball. Uh, it was like a way for me to calm down. 
because I was kind of a hothead. I mean, I had I had temper problems, and it was like it was a tactic for me. I sang at free throw lines and sang it in timeouts. I didn't sing it out loud. I sang it in you know I lip sync it like yeah. silently. Yeah, you know, a couple people knew it knew, knew what I was doing, and you know, my mom would even like sing it like on the <laughs> sideline when she would see something in my on my face. You know what I'm saying? That's like, so DMX really was a, a special person and um, he's going to be greatly missed, man. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned the album, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. That was his second album in 1998. He dropped his debut album, obviously, It's Dark and Hell is Hot. That that was his first album in 1998. And then he dropped a second one, uh, mm-hmm. Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. And it's like, at that yep. time artists not not just rappers and hip-hop artists but artists in general weren't doing that i gotta tell you you know when when this and, and kid, it, both albums went number one when this kid handed me this album i gotta i gotta admit man it's like the cds i had in my shit were in sync at backstreet boys and fucking destiny's child and and it's like poppy shit like that yeah you know what i mean that was what was like kids were buying and so when this shit came out, it was just like, yo, what the fuck is this? How do I get more of it? <laughs> um, and it really, you know, I, he's got to be one of the pillars of the reason I am, you know, a lifelong hip hop and rap fan. Yeah. You know, no doubt about it. Yeah. He was one of your first exposures. Yeah. And one of the first guys I was talking to my brother about this, he was one of the first guys that was like, I searched for his music, you know, yeah. like as a not eight, nine, 10 year old, you hear what's on the radio and you hear, Oh, this song's by them. You know, it's like, it's song by song basis where I can remember, you know, being like, how do I get more of this guy? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like that really wasn't um, a way I thought about uh, artists and, you know, until him guys like him and, and little Wayne and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So rest in peace to DMX. Um, a legend that we watched we watched cradle to the grave last night oh that's dope that's dope that's <laughs> awesome that's awesome so uh yeah rest in peace dmx uh a legend a giant uh a true force and a, and a one-of-a-kind spirit that's that's going to be greatly missed by by people worldwide so with that that wraps up this episode of the sports kingdom show for tyler pacholke i am eric the duke of sports scholar Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and follow us at The Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.